Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betsmurts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, happy Monday. We get to do a new division today. These have been as much fun as I remembered and hoped over the years. Uh, and we move on to one of the more popular divisions in the sport drives ratings at least not one i'm super excited to watch personally but it's the nfc least yeah this is uh and dan <laughs> almost got it this time i will <laughs> um yeah the nfc least i mean it was a, a punchline the other year it's had some weird just like weird outcomes over the years because you've had some outlier teams like the the eagles super bowl and not to take anything away from that what that team did but like just kind of came out of nowhere and then fell off immediately again and and you know even the giants super bowls you have to go back a longer ways for some of those those are just weird seasons obviously the cowboys super bowls we have to go back to like vhs kind of times but uh they have had some teams that have had super high expectations and have fallen super, super short. Like, and a lot of times, and, and to be fair, there's been some major injuries. There's been a lot of problems, you know, over the years with the quarterback position for them. Just, it seems like they always have the answer and then it just never quite works out. And then uh, uh, Washington has just been an utter fucking pit of despair for a long time. I don't think they've had a playoff win for like 15 years. I don't know. It's, it's, it's rough. At least there hasn't been any, you know, controversy to go along with the poor, the, the poor performance on the field. It's, it's a whole thing up there. Like they got the whole package. The team doesn't do anything well, and then on top of that, you have issues with the management, the ownership, the coaches, tweeting about the insurrection. Like it's, come on, guys, let's just get it together for a little bit. We've got a new name. We've got a new attitude. Let's uh. Let's do something up there in uh, Raljan. But our, our thing, I think we are starting with the New York football giants today. The and Gigantes. as we always do, we'll start by recapping their season. And I had forgotten how many games Daniel Jones had missed. So, like, again, oh, yeah, it wasn't, definitely, definitely it wasn't, not on the front of my mind. Sorry, Lipscomb. Yeah, imagine being a fan. I know, and that, that's that's how you can tell that. I mean, they have a strong fan base somehow. That's how entrenched they are in the community. I mean, it was a very, I mean, it was a powerhouse in the late eighties. Going back again, talking Washington, like that was an amazing run they had. They won, you know, three Super Bowls with the uh, three different QBs, and mm -hmm. I mean, the probably, I mean, where's Gib rank? Top ten head coach ever. I mean, just doing uh, what he did. I, you're talking 15? about uh, Bill Parcells? No, Gibbs. You're, that, you're on Washington. So. I know. I, I, Lipscomb brought up being a fan of Washington. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, I bounced oh, back. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm putting Bill Parcells there, too. I'm putting them both yeah. top 10 coaches. Um, Either way, we will go. Yeah. that's. Uh, oh. I'll, I'll give Gibbs top 20, surely, and uh, Parcells top 10. Yeah. Uh, McAdoo? judge not not and, top 10 for me yeah like not even top 10 giants coaches <laughs> this team's mm -hmm. been around long enough where i think i can say that it's been a uh <laughs> it's been a it's the end of another error i think they've done this three times in a row now or it's at been the end two of years, an error <laughs> two, two years of a coach was that a freudian slip no that's like a thing people say so um so yeah they've gotten rid of a coach after two years three times in a row now it's been kind of a, a run rate for them they hopefully have their guy um but yeah it's four and 13 daniel jones played like 10 games i believe out of the season your backups and other quarterbacks who are playing during those games oh god it was where do i have it here i i had to like look up i guess i didn't even write it down jesus guys but it was uh it was bad you didn't uh you didn't have good depth at spots. You had a lot of injuries. Mm -hmm. You had your rookie quarterback, or excuse me, your rookie wide receiver that didn't have a ton of success. You have a high investment running back who has suffered three he hasn't had like the catastrophic 
yeah, I'm missing 18 months yet. I'm waiting for that one to come, but he's had three decent injuries already. Just haven't had a lot of things go right. And, you know, now we're fresh slate. And I guess without getting to like who's taking over here, I want you to rate this as far as we, we, we said the cupboard was bare in Chicago. No pun mm-hmm. intended, bear, bear. So let's let's put the Chicago the Chicago cupboard at a one out of ten. Let's put the Minnesota cupboard because that is two other teams who replaced the head coach and the GM in the offseason. Minnesota cupboard, can we put it at an eight as far as talent left on the roster? I'll give you seven. Well, I'm, I I want the I want I want a ten to be like this is a team that's replacing a head coach and a GM. Like we we need to use that as reference. Like they're okay. probably an eight or a nine, honestly, if you're using that as a kind of a, a measuring stick. Because great okay. teams don't replace the head coach and the GM usually. Like so right. Minnesota was high on that. Where where would you put this Giants team as of last year where they left them? A lot of draft capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have an open book about what to do with the quarterback position. Those are two positives if you're taking over a franchise like this. Um, negatives are your the player with the highest approximate value on your team last year was Leonard Williams on the on the D line. That's not good. Um, yeah, I think uh, this is a this is a a four for me. But talent from a talent alone, you're like two or three. Yeah, that's a that's probably a fair ranking, and it is tough too. Like. They left again. If once we get into the actual house cleaning, the the cap space wasn't great. That's why you saw yeah, some right. of the things that had to happen. But I don't know any any takeaways from what you saw in the field. I mean, I'm assuming you're fine with the the judge firing, the moving oh, on. Yeah. Like we're not doing this anymore. Then then I guess do you believe it was Gettleman retiring, or was it like uh, you're, we're done with you? Do you want to retire? I don't know. Nothing about the Gettleman regime really made sense from like how you build a competitive football in today's day and age at all. Um, And I think a lot of the fact that they didn't really put pressure on him to perform the roles and responsibilities of general manager to a higher level speaks to just not really having a ton of confidence in the ownership side of the things here that this is ultimately going to work out um you know i think if your owners are letting your gm run amok in the way that they let gettleman run and then you know let them fire a couple of head coach you know fire and hire a couple of head coaches and make some really questionable choices in doing so um you know it's a it's tough to figure out exactly how the organization overall bounces back because ownership matters not as much as coaching and gm obviously but um, not as much as coaching quarterback, obviously, but um, certainly non-zero. And, you know, I don't know that you have a very stable, strong, you know, voice in the room when it comes to the direction of the franchise. Um, I thought Joe Judge was a horrific, horrific mistake from the get-go. And while that kind of act, that tough guy act, that uh, can galvanize players positively in the in the context of what Dan Campbell has done with the Lions. It never felt like it had a shot of working with the Giants just because of the approach itself was too abrasive and or, um, you know, too much stick and no carrot. Um, you know, kind of like how Urban Meyer lost the locker room in a matter of a couple of weeks. You know, like, you, if no, you know, these guys are professionals. They don't want to be treated that <laughs> way. And, um, you know, I think in general, uh, you didn't feel great about the Joe Judge hire in a vacuum. And then when you, the quotes you read and the way you hear about how camp is being run, it goes downhill even faster. The other, you know, kind of most of the issues, like like with um, Chicago, most of the other issues were the way the roster was managed by Gettleman, in my opinion. Uh, he is sort of the responsible party for the dissolution whether he retired or was fired doesn't really matter but it's 
still a division that you see lots of quick turnarounds. There's plenty of last place to first place examples in the NFC East because the margin between these teams is just not that great because there's really no great team for whatever reason, right? Yeah, All I think when, when you see a, a weird proclivity to them. And there's going to be lots and lots and lots of love for the Eagles. And we'll get to that when we get to them on Wednesday. And we'll try to maybe tamp that down a little because I don't like to give too much love to anyone. But it is a division where if you can put enough silver linings or make enough cases for steps forward or things that should regress from last year, you can make a case for anyone to win this division, I think, if you really want to. I don't know if I really can for either of the teams today. I will talk about like some ceilings. I think that they could hit if things go right. I don't know if either of those is really a, a division winning ceiling in the NFC. You know, if one of these teams really surprises, there's definitely chances for wildcard teams for everybody. I think everybody in yeah. this division has a chance at the playoffs. If things go right, there's no like, Oh no, this is, you know, this is an utter disaster. This team just completely devoid of talent. They're going to win four games. It's not that. So, you know, look, I mean, it, it's the, the uh, season win totals are seven and a half, eight. Push back on this. Well, no, I mean, there are, there are, there are wide distributions for probably both of the teams today. Like, there are utter disasters on the, on the block for sure. I'm just saying there are some teams where their ceiling doesn't get too far out of the, you know, Hey, you're drafting in the top five range. That's fair. Um, that's 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 that's, that's totally fair. Uh, I will say my case, my my view, uh, independent of the Giants, my view of the NFC East is that it is wide open. I'm not going to make a case for the Giants or the Commanders today, but I don't think that their chances are as low as the market has it currently priced. Um, and I think. One team is making the playoffs out of this, even though the NFC East gets to go up against the NFC South, which means you get a lot of games against the Falcons, a lot of games against the Panthers. Um, The problem is the AFC West is on your schedule. What is the collective number of wins that the NFC East gets over the AFC West, Andy? Uh, As last year. Oh, that was last year. Oh, you're yeah. They right. actually have that. That I was gonna say. I was oh, gonna push. I was gonna push back on the schedule. I'm like, call. I'm, like, I'm looking at 2021. Whole, yeah, this whole division actually has like the AFC South. Oh, and actually, the NFC, you're, yeah. Great and the point. NFC North. So, like the the theme, and it's it's funny when we get rolling on these. It's like, hey, just like the last team we talked about, their schedule is hard or easy because they play the same divisions and yeah they so they do have easy easy um schedules all of these teams are gonna have well on paper right now where we sit in june or june july wherever we're at there's easiest schedules but you never know what's gonna happen there are a lot of teams on here that not only easy schedules but maybe teams i'm not super high on compared to the market even so I get it. Like I get some of the love for these teams, and I guess let's let's bounce to the biggest reason. Damn, you're and, right. So last right, year so, they had the second toughest schedule. This it was, year they had it was crazy. Days. It was so it was crazy tough, and then they had a lot of injuries. Um, and another thing holding them back for eleven weeks there was having an, a completely um, uncreative is uncreative a word a person who lacks creativity in the offense with Jason Garrett. And then they replaced him with the interim offensive coordinator, um, biggest fall from grace in the last five years, Freddie Kitchens, who was, my God, what a, he is a big name a few years ago. This was, Freddie Kitchens was going to fix things for everybody. But yeah, the, the play calling combined with the injuries, combined with the tough, tough schedule, combined with the injuries that happened at really important skill positions, and then not being able to evaluate Daniel Jones that sucks in this new regime. Like you said, they get put in a weird spot and they don't really know what they have in a quarterback. They didn't take his option. So he can just walk unless they want to tag him after the season and pay extra, which is apparently a risk they're willing to take coming into this. And again, it's the new regime. They didn't draft him. So I guess maybe they're fine with that, but yeah, the, the offense maybe even without the injuries, was kind of doomed when you face that schedule with Coach Garrett. 
Like it just that's kind of a recipe for disaster. So I get the house cleaning. How excited are you for the let's go get two guys from the same organization? Do you think that's a do you think that matters at all? Like you know, is it is that a decision that comes into play? Like, hey, we could probably get Shane and Dable and they could both come over from Buffalo. Like, do you think that matters or it's just like, hey, they're both available? happens to be from the same team we're fine with that i vote positive on that as far as a vision goes if you're hiring a general manager and coach in the same cycle getting two guys that have a at, at a minimum a professional relationship and at at best uh kind of a common vision is pretty important uh if you have two guys that are forced to work together for various reasons and or two guys that it, it seems like a good marriage and the interview went well and this is a guy we really covet and we're just going to make it work with the general manager then if things go wrong early uh the dissolution there turns nasty pretty quickly all a pace uh and nagy kind of a deal um so i think yeah ultimately it's uh it's i don't know that there's tons of examples but um we're gonna find out this year for sure the Va- las vegas raiders did this too they yep. took two two Patriots, um, and I think uh, yeah, I, no, I'm I co-sign as far as concept conceptually, um, and I thought uh, Dable was pretty obviously the best coaching candidate among all the assistants last year, and the Giants got him, so good on them for that. I'd agree um, with that. Yeah, there was a that was I'm I don't know much about assistant GMs. Like it's hard to say. Hey, this is this is one of my five favorite assistant GMs because again, it's hard to tell. Like. Was he the one doing heavy lifting? Was what was he doing, or was it just the GM was so good and he rode coattails? Like hard to tell, but yeah, Dable happy with him. And again, maybe you can make the same case for that. Like, who made who? Was did Dable make Allen? Did Allen make Dable? You know, we did this with Aberflus. We said, did did he really just turn you know Leonard Leonard Floyd, dear God, Darius Leonard into some stud immediately and turn that defense around, or did? You know, to just luck into a really good situation. It's very hard to tell with so many factors, but I think I like Dable just based on the offense he ran, like kind of a pass first offense. And again, I was I I like to do this. And again, you guys read the same shit as me. You guys, a lot of you I know have mentioned this in the deep dive discord. You read the football outsiders chapter before we do a podcast. It's a super good idea. Gets yourself in the mind state. I read that too. I take a look at Cleve's thing. I look at some other stuff, but I love reading the beat reporters, especially once we get deeper into this, it gets better and better as we actually get into some camps when they get some quotes from players or quotes from some of these coaches. And when we all know what Buffalo's offense was, and obviously it's way different than a Jason Garrett offense, but right away, I mean, they just, everything around this is they're talking about, Hey, guess what? We're implementing a modern pass-first offense that marries elements of the Bills and Chiefs offenses adjusted for the Giants' talents. That last part really stuck with me. Like the whole square peg round hole thing where he said a lot of teams would have screwed up Lamar Jackson by not using him, right? You know, this is if you can take the Bills and the Chiefs' offenses, you're not going to run the Chiefs' offense with Daniel Dimes. If you can take elements of the chiefs and the bills offenses and adjust it to what you think the strengths of your teams are that sounds pretty good to me so i'm kind of on board with this offense doing well under the new coaching staff i can buy into some of that if we see some healthiness and i I think it is just a well it can't get worse like they were super injured they played a hard schedule and they had two brain dead offensive coordinators last year like how how could it possibly worse so like by attrition, I think this offense might be watchable at times. No, I think that's a completely fair point. Addition by subtraction when it comes to the coordinate, the way that the the scheme and uh, and sequencing went last year, for sure. I think, I think expectations were rightfully low on the Giants last year because they went into the season with Joe Judge as a beleaguered coach and Garrett as the offensive mind in a time where that was not likely to work. And uh, Dable and Kafka on paper looks pretty sick, I got to say. 
Yeah, I think you might you might see ideal with with Kafka in there instead of Garrett. You might see this offense go through a metamorphosis. <laughs> oh, Andy, my goodness. <laughs> That one. Only that the one. only the uh, only the uh, the English majors are getting that one. Um, I had that one. I had that one in the holster, ready yeah, to go. But no, I'm I'm excited about what I've heard yeah, from yeah. Kafka. I'm excited those two minds working together. Sure. And then yeah, like just again, it was a full cleaning house. If we're talking this, Wink Martindale's been around, and some coaches see the league pass them by a little. I don't think he's of that nature, and. I think he still gets it. <laughs> I'm excited to see that part of it too. We'll talk more about the defense, but again, you, I think you upgraded at the three major coaching positions from where you were last year. And what we see from the defense could be fun too. If that pass rush is kind of all together, especially considering how aggressive he wants to be with pass rush and during his career, seemingly despite how bad other parts of the defense are, it doesn't matter. He'll put some corners on an island, even if even if they're not ready for it, just uh, in favor of I'm still going to be aggressive. So, I'm yeah, I'm happy with all three coaching hires, and I think that the biggest question mark still is you've got a quarterback you didn't give the option on, and I mean he knows it. He's got to be fully bought in, I suppose. Like he has to, not to say the players don't give their all, but boy. If there wasn't, if there wasn't, you know, there's not many better times for you to really, really study up. Maybe they needed to put the homework clause in his his contract too here. Study up and make sure you know this offense and make a case for yourself, at least to catch on elsewhere. Because I suppose, like, if, if this team does poor, it's a quarterback-rich draft class. And if they had a high pick and they have the war chest to move up if they don't, if they need to go up a little higher to get the guy they want, like, Jones is out pretty quick. Like his lease has to be short, at least after the season goes. It's really tough with Jones. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think of him. I don't have a good number, and that like you brought up that point about how much he missed last year. I did not watch enough Giants games to tell you that off the top of my head. That's for sure. Uh, He only uh, you had you had. Jake Fromm starting games last yeah, year. Yeah, Glennon and Fromm. I had to, I, I couldn't Fromm? remember the wow. quarterbacks that played. Man. Fromm is not good. Glennon mm-hmm. is fine as a backup, but you don't want him out there for multiple games. And yeah. what well, I mean, I mean, one more thing about, and I know a lot of this was improvisation. Boy, I don't know if I said that word quite right. Improvisation, yeah. Improvisation on yeah. Josh Allen's part, but they seemed fine with letting him tuck the ball and run. And I think Daniel Jones is pretty good with the ball in his hands running. And Hmm. if he's healthy and we see an offense that opens them up to do more of that, or, you know, called quarterback runs, the offensive line probably is going to take a little step forward too. So maybe we see a little more running at the right times. Cause there's a, yeah, there's one problem though. He gets hurt. He does. He's injury prone. He's injury prone. And putting him in harm's way is going to potentially accelerate, accelerate the end of the Daniel Jones era. His backup this year is Terod Taylor. So presumably your backup starting minutes are higher quality than what you got last year. Um, but still not high enough quality that it makes you any kind of a contender. Um, yeah. The Daniel Jones experience is a really, really, really tough one because in a vacuum, he is still young enough and he, is inexperienced enough that in the right system uh, and with the right coaches and play calling, he should be able to succeed at the NFL level considering the accuracy with which he places the deep ball. That's a good weapon to have in your arsenal, being able to do that. And he can do it. The problem was, I think, you know, we, we don't really know uh, the degree which he can run an offense in the way Josh Allen does, certainly. Um, Dable's offense in particular, we just don't know if that's possible. Um, but I don't think if this team surprises to the good offensively out of the gate against the likes of the Titans, Panthers, and Cowboys, we're probably not really going to be surprised, right? No, uh, again, they lost so many games to injury at the skill positions. 
And they added pieces. Andrew Thomas is coming along nicely. If you have a starting quarterback that plays well, like it's just, it, it should just be a better team. You have good receivers, I think. Like, uh, I wasn't a big Tony guy, but a lot of it was just, I don't like that offense. Like, I wasn't yeah. down on Kadarius. I, I was a little. I know I like Trask made him look better than he probably was at times because mm-hmm. that guy was just getting, no, I'm not, excuse me, not Trask, uh, Pitts. I don't mean Trask. I did not okay. mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 okay. no. Okay. Pitt, okay. Pitts okay. drawing okay. like three okay. defenders. And yeah, then Pitts is gravity. Yeah. Yeah. Pitt, Pitts Helped was him. taking all the defenders and, and he did make them look better at times. That said, he's still good. We saw some flashes of him play well. And I just wasn't excited for him because I thought he was a little overrated and he was going to a bad offensive system where yeah. things weren't right. going to go well. So Galladay, Tony, Saquon for all healthy and I do want to address the Saquon thing because I feel like we're hard on him in general and I think we need to separate that out a little we need to split our brains a little on that I'm hard on him and I'm negative because he was just such a shitty draft pick at that spot that said if you can separate that part and you don't consider because you can't go back and do anything about that he's on your team if you're the manager, if you're Shane, if you're the coach, the offensive coordinator, he's on your team now, and he's good. He's healthy. He's still good, especially if you have a smart offense who calls runs at the right time rather than oh, yeah. just having yeah. having him dive into you know eight and nine-man boxes. Yeah. And then after he hurt his ankle, I mean, he was, he was not even as effective as his backups. He could tell he was hampered. He wasn't as good. So if the, all that stuff works out, your receivers are healthy, your offensive line is – you know where it's supposed to be and he's healthy daniel jones can play kirk cousin ball like just be good enough don't lose games for us yeah and this team this team will have enough offensive firepower to compete because i think this offense is going to just look a lot differently based on what the coaches are going to call so i'm cautiously optimistic right. for the giants offense i still am worried and again, this might be an over team for me. If we're going to go like all this, I almost said it's not going to be like zero blitzes sometimes, but if we're going to do some heavy blitzing and have question marks in the secondary, like this could be, it could be fun games to watch at least. Like if this offense is, you know, humming along a little and the secondary stinks, maybe from just a pure watch, watching football standpoint, that's my favorite kind of team to watch. Oh yeah, yeah. For give, sure. me, give me you some arena ball. You know who they're? Yeah, the the. You know what you circle over games? Anyone with any pulse in the explosive play department. If you have an ex, any kind of offense that has a high rate of explosive plays, that that kind of team is scoring thirty on these guys. Uh, in general, Wink Martindale, fine guy to bring in with the with this regime and kind of help him really try to right the ship defensively but i thought the guy that they lost in patrick graham was i I held him in higher regard for today's nfl and what he does creatively as far as uh crafting defense and so this could be a downgrade defensively um downgrade defensively from a personnel standpoint surely um you know losing james bradbury because of cap issues is just that's the worst kind of, uh, you know, way to de- to denigrate your roster. Um, it just they... felt so bad, and you had to know that. Like when when Shane came in, and he knew, like, that, I mean, that had to be top of the list. Like he he, yeah. he makes too oh, much. Oh, and yeah, yeah, somebody mentioned that they paid Tyrod. Yeah, he's a quarterback. Tyrod makes like they gave him like eleven million. It, you have to. He's a he's a quarterback. Even backups make good money. So yeah, they had to clear Bradbury. They had to get rid of Booker. Um, there was one other one that was like a decent size to size. Uh, so Logan Ryan. So Evan Ingram's lose, gone. Your tight end yeah, is now a huge, huge hole. Yeah. You lose two pieces of your secondary. You lose a couple pieces off your offense that played a decent role into things. Like it sucks to start your regime that way, but like he knew what he was in for and hopefully ownership did too. Like they were, they did start in cap hell. So, I mean, a lot of the additions were just cheap. And he even said this in a press conference, like this is a team that's going to compete this year. Like he, he kept the expectations in a good spot. We're going to compete next year to be like good 
or compete this year and be good next year because you can't go and go on a spending spree when you are coming in flat broke to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, and I touch on Graham too. We'll get to him eventually. I think he landed in a nice spot in Vegas. Yeah, he's in. I yeah, kind of. Place. I kind of like that. That uh, the yeah. Mexican coaches they have there as well. Yeah. The pro. So the problems. Okay. So last year, the Giants were an easy pass because you looked at the sum of the parts on offense and you just knew that with Daniel Jones, the questions of the offensive line, questions with the way the plays were called and coordination, like there was just too many what-ifs that were to downside. That's kind of the way this defense is this year, right? Too many what-ifs with downside. Um, Nickelback, problem. CB2, problem. Safety play, problem. Uh, Xavier McKinney is going to have to take a huge step forward for you to get above league average safety play between your two safeties. Um, pass rush, pretty weak. You went out and got Kayvon Thibodeau. If Thibodeau does not give you a full 17-game season, which is entirely possible considering his youth and just in general his availability to stay on the field, um, you're going to have games where you're generating a pass rush is going to be very, very challenging. Um, not great tackling, not great run stop. Uh, Leonard Williams is a monster. He's your best player, though. That's not great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think realistically, this is going to be probably pretty likely bottom five defense. I don't hate the pass rush if everybody plays and stays healthy. Like Ojolari was fine. Thibodeau, again, you, you have an unknown. He's rookie. He has to, like, if he steps in and does well with this pass rush, and, again, if it's an aggressive one where he's just – able to blitz and run after the quarterback maybe he does fine i still think i like him better than hutch even though we bet hutch to win an award over him dexter lawrence is fine leonard williams like you said is good like the front five seven like can be above average but it is dependent on a rookie playing well Ojolari playing as well as he did last year dexter lawrence not continuing to maybe take many steps back and then also at the same time carrying what probably is going to be a bad secondary. And you see that in, you know, it's a team game. You can have a lot of good pieces up front and teams who can figure things out as far as just getting, hey, let's get the ball away quick. Their pass rush is actually coming together. Maybe we take a lot of three-step drops and it won't matter because a Dory Jackson has to step in and be your top guy. And he's just That's not possible. You know, he's not, he's, he's, he's not a hundred percent guaranteed to just, Hey, guess what? I'm a, I'm a top corner in the, in the league now. And then, like you said, if he is, I'll just throw away throw from away. him, I yeah. guess. Blake Martinez coming off injury. That was kind of a nasty one. Like some things have to happen. Like you said, McKinney has to take a step forward. Adoree Jackson has to be the guy and yeah. you have to have some other things happen. I don't think the secondary has a chance to be good. The linebackers, at least from the interior, are question mark. The pass rush is probably your highest chance of being good on the defense, and it still has, you know, the question marks of, hey, we drafted this guy. Well, high doesn't automatically mean he's going to come in and get eight sacks. Mm-hmm. Be awful nice if you're a Giants fan, but there is a uh, yeah. And someone mentions in the chat, Johnny C. He's been active in the chat this summer. Says another team starting a rookie at cornerback. Yeah, that's yep. Not great. Usually not usually not going all that well. So and, and it's funny too, like, hey, our our biggest one of our biggest rivals got our lockdown corner, which sucks because that means we can't cover a high end wide receivers anymore. But they also got AJ Brown. So when they come to town, like they have a high end wide receiver to go against, you know, a Dory. It's 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 gonna be trying for that secondary at times. So. Sure. Surely. Maybe that's where maybe that's where I'm, I'm, I'm overall neutral on this team. Yeah, I or think that's have, where I have I'm them, at I have them I below league average. Not much, I'm not. But. I'm I'm uh, I'm a little higher than them on market because the market right now rates them power rates them as the 27th best offense, and I think that's too low. Um, yeah, this is a league average set of skill position players. The only glaring hole is your tight end. Otherwise, you have good players in the wide receiver room and on the running back depth chart. Um, Daniel Jones is squarely kind of in that lower middle class of quarterbacks, at least based on the data we have, with upside if the system was the reason he was down in the in the 20s. 
Um, and the system is looks good, frankly. Mike Kafka coming in uh, from Kansas City combined with Brian Dable and what he did in Buffalo looks looks on paper like a, a, ma- a marriage made in heaven. And uh, I think I will be more surprised if this offense finishes in the low, tw- low 20s even high 20s right now the power they're powering 27th best offense i think yeah i i have this team it's like a league average offense yeah that's where i'm at i think realistically i have this team as like a yeah yeah, i have this team as like a minus one we agree yeah where they i'm I'm strongly agree with that um so i think they'll score some points i think they'll win some games based on scoring some points uh i think they'll surprise some teams who are kind of in that middle class of the nfl uh, and I think there are some games where they're going to have to score a shit ton of points because they're up against an explosive offense that is really putting some pressure on them. Um, and with that, let's look at their schedule and try to identify some of those spots. Yeah. So right off the bat, like you said, there's, there's a, you know, the, the six and a half point spread, but yeah, it's maybe a team. I'm. It's a team. Maybe I'm not as high on as the market. Spoiler alert in Tennessee, and I, I think they could get you know squarely in a openers are weird like that. And then I mean they have a lot well, of actually, coin flips. Let me ask a lot you of coin specifically flips on the schedule, man. So let's say it out loud. Giants are at Tennessee. They're six and a half point dogs week one. Is Tennessee the type of team that scares you from an explosive standpoint offensively? No, a couple of right? years, a couple of years ago, yeah, but no, surely like, not. No. Not without AJ Brown. No, Certainly. not without AJ Brown, and uh, maybe even you know taking into account Arthur Smith not being there any longer. Like a couple of years ago, I was a lot more worried. This is a team that has decided to build an identity around maybe running it a little too much, despite how good he is. And no, this is a like my God, what a! I hope a bunch of people <laughs> take them in, in Survivor. That's like a Survivor landmine. You know, right I'm going to get that. Tennessee out of the way because the Giants sucked last year. I'm not, I'm not saying they're super live to win that, but that game, that game does feel like one that could get away from Tennessee. And then look at all the games that are within a field goal in the schedule. Like a that's lot. where I do see this upside. Like if the offense is good, the defense just has to like rely on, I mean, really look at it, rely on Carson Wentz or Drew Locke or second year Trevor Lawrence to not make some plays against them. Justin Fields with no weapons. Like if they can get some luck on their side from these other offenses, not playing well enough and they score points, they're going to yeah. be like a 500 team. This is a, yeah. which kind of stinks for the rebuild. If, if Daniel Jones is winning and you still don't think like he's the reason, but <sighs> I, I do think that's where you don't want to end up in the purgatory where it's like Daniel Jones is not the answer, but they still won nine games. Like now, if you want to keep him, you're tagging him for 30 million or you're trading a bunch of draft picks to get a high quarterback. That's kind of where I think this giants team ends up, which isn't super fun for, you know, backers of big blue, but you'll always have your medium sodas, I guess. Your medium sodas and your I'd uh, forgotten your, about that part too. That your feels. memories of uh your memories of the Eli Manning era, the medium soda thing was yeah, you guys got Super Bowls. Don't complain. There's plenty of teams that don't. So uh, yeah. what's what sticks out to you as far as stretches? Uh, oh boy, let's see. Um well Carolina advantage stretch two, early. Carolina yeah. week two fits the mold of a team that might have a little bit more explosive firepower offensively with Mayfield and CMC and you know DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Like that's that might be the first one where we're getting squirrely with an over, right? Like I'm happy to take the Giants. I'm gonna end up betting this team a lot this year, I think, one way or the other in a lot of these games. Just because of a, the, yeah. just because of sort of the fragility of the defense and because I'm higher on them than market by a lot offensively, I think this is going to be a team that's going to be a bet on and or an over and or an under depending on who's gonna say team team total overs on the road yeah. where they're where they're probably not getting enough respect yeah like that, that tennessee game what is, what's the total there 47 uh but 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 uh i don't think it's that high no way it's that high no way it's that high fair um scrolling right now it is 44 Wow, the week one up. total is 44. Still in preseason mode. The week two, the week two total hosting Carolina. You want to guess what that is? 
So, well, just quick, 44 and a half and then take off the three and a half. So their team total is under 20 in that. Eight, they're expect, Mark, are expecting them to score 18 and three quarters points. Yeah, that's... It's too low. And again, based off to base some things on what we see in the preseason, I think you're going to see the starters play a lot in preseason, both of these teams coming up because they need reps. Daniel Jones, like he missed a bunch of time. A lot of these receivers missed time. We're going to see plenty of reps. So, yeah, it's a it's a team that I'm betting on on the case of, again, both of I'm glad we came to this. We didn't really talk today. We were, I was busy. You were busy. Yeah. But we both kind of uh, landed on the same thing. Like this offense is probably underrated by the market. Yes. And the defense might stink, and it might be a fun over team. Yeah. I, I tell you what, man, that week two total against Carolina, 42 and a half. 42 and a half is not correct, in my opinion. Uh, Carolina has good outside receivers. Has, yeah. <laughs> like, they, can, yeah. they can make things happen. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore, I don't know if I... People. Baltimore can be considered an explosive team if the receivers are catching the ball. A little Wink Martindale revenge game. That, that is a not, wink, yeah. Uh, I don't know. That'll 40, be a fun 40, one. That's 45 and a half? It's probably a game I'm not betting, honestly. Those yeah. are weird. And then ones, you so. get again a game like at Green Bay, which is in London, England. Yeah, and they're an NFC team if we want to keep making bowl cases for this. So they get the nine home games and then an away game that isn't really in Lambeau. Game. You're right. So um the Man City will play more games in Lambeau this year than the Giants, who actually play the Packers. Oh, how about which is, that? Uh, odd. And Man City will play a bunch in London as well, I'm sure. I'm sure. But, yeah, that is not a true road game. It's it's happening in London. So they have a semi-advantageous schedule. Like, yeah, Dallas, yeah. a good Dallas team beats the shit out of you. Green Bay, even on a neutral, probably beats the shit out of you if things work out there. No, that's a lower scoring. Like that's See, those are the games that Green Bay is going to actually. It, it like depends on their team. Yeah, they're going to be like, like those are if the games. If receivers where, click, yeah. though. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, who, yeah, boy, we just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, with erase, that. erase that entire podcast if the receivers click with Rodgers. Yeah, we, we said um, some bad shit about them. So. No, the the part of the schedule that scares me is week six, seven, eight, leading into the bye. Like, if you have a little bit of success early, travels in your advantage through there. The teams you're playing outside of Carolina don't have a ton of explosiveness offensively. Um, people will argue Dallas is explosive offensively, but I'm not sure with their current roster if they are as explosive as people will think of in years past, particularly early in the season. Chicago is not explosive offensively. So really, if you can beat Carolina based on outscoring them there, have the ball last and win like a 30 to you know 27 type of game, you could be 3-1 and one or 4-0, and it wouldn't shock the world at all. But that next stretch where you play Green Bay in London is a tough one. And then you are just worn down travel wise, hosting Baltimore, and then you got to go to Florida, and then you got to go to Seattle. Um, that is a really, really rough back to back weeks of travel, uh, just just on the heels of flying to London. So they are going to get they are going to get to their bye just in the nick of time, in terms yeah, of it feels like that. It feels like that Baltimore game could go horribly awry. Yeah. And then it, it might be one of those, where, hey, you know, like in tennis, Drew, where a guy is down a break, it's maybe, you know, 4-3, the other guy's serving, and he just, you can tell, like, oh, he's he's just going to so play the third set instead. Like, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm tired from coming back from Green Bay, and I see Baltimore, and then I see Jacksonville and Seattle on the horizon, I'm not saying you punt on that game, but. Boy, I'm I'm looking at those other two games. It's like we don't want this whole three game stretch to be a disaster. Maybe we just take our lumps, put together a you know a game plan that we think can work, but really focus in on not screwing up the rest of this heading into our bye. Come out strong, beat the Texans, beat Detroit. I don't know. So I see surprising wins in the first half of this of our first quarter. I see some surprising losses in the second quarter. And then after the buy, it all entirely depends on how well they self self scouted. Because like this again, they fit into that kind of mold where they go into the buy potentially on like uh, maybe a couple of games where they were expected to do better and they didn't, you know. And maybe they actually do self scouting and adjustments and improve over that bye week, and they come out and they get a couple of winnable games against Houston and Detroit. 
before you have to host Dallas in what will be kind of uh, sort of your true test on Thanksgiving Day in Jerry World. Although that hasn't scared anyone in recent years. People have been able no. to go to Dallas and hang a hang a W in their visitor's locker room. Um, down the home stretch, a lot of games against the NFC East. Dallas, Washington, Philly, Washington, and then you end in Philly. Um, not a ton of advantages travel wise, schedule wise on your uh, you know, to to look at down the home stretch there, except for that indie game where you're more rested and have better travel situations. So it's you know, this this is probably one of those I think this is good for the franchise. You're more entertaining than you than than people expect, number one. You're getting some wins early and getting some, you know, so fans are into it come Thanksgiving when you play Dallas. Ultimately, you're probably not winning enough to make the playoffs or win the division. But so you, you're not stuck with Jones if you don't want him. But if you do want him, you can get him on a relatively team friendly deal. Do you know what I mean? Like this, that, yeah, this, and, and this whole thing, thing has a recipe of being relatively positive or long term for the Giants, I think. And if it doesn't, if you lose some close games, the moral, the more, you know, like the moral sure. losses, like, oh, it was a, it was a loss, but it wasn't that bad. And you end up in that, that end stretch where you get Philly twice, an indie team that I think is going to be good, a Minnesota team yep. that, oh, yep. Justin Jefferson versus a rookie cornerback. We'll see how mm. that goes. Like, there's a bunch of games that you can lose. Maybe Terry if you were McLaurin, AJ Brown. Trying, oh man, trying Ooh, to, not dude. trying to lose, but like, hey, mm. let's get let's let's maybe end this on a skid. The new coach isn't in danger of losing his job right away. Let's get a high draft spot and move on. So. Yeah, you you end your schedule with Ceedee Lamb, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, Justin Jefferson, Michael Pittman. Justin and then uh, AJ Brown. AJ Brown. <laughs> There's going to be people are going to be putting some serious pressure on you scoreboard wise down the home stretch. Um, not yeah, yeah, that's not going to feel great. Let's take a look at those odds. What do we got? Because a couple people have mentioned this. I know uh, a couple Fridays ago, Cleve in his preview, he talks about betting them to win the division at a decent price. If you shop around, you can get some eights, maybe some nines still. Hunt around like obviously Super Bowl and NFC aren't aren't bets I would recommend, but if Dallas has the injury bug or just doesn't work out after having to jettison some wide receivers, like they they had too many good wide receivers that they found and they couldn't keep them all. If the offense takes a step back and maybe the Eagles aren't every, the darling that everyone's making them out to be, this it's a team that might be in it. If you can get a big number on to win the division, sure I get it, but other than that. I'm pretty Giants agnostic in the off season as far as betting on any of these. I will bet them during the season. I don't think I like any of the futures. Yeah, keep our powder Certainly dry. Certainly not paying a heavy price for the under. Let's keep our powder dry. Uh, Daniel Jones is not an MVP candidate, even if the Giants surprise to the upside like we're talking about. Uh, if the Giants steal a wild card, that will be pretty amazing for them. But plus 225 is not a fair for them to do that in my, by my numbers. To an ace seven to one is not a uh, a plus EV bet by my numbers. I have them closer to nine to one. You using um, uh using Saquon in the right way and getting him heavily involved in the passing game. There's a case for comeback player. Well, that's but an interesting mean, chalk, call. Chalky as shit. Like he's uh, he's one is of it? the. I think he's one of the lower prices too. He's been so. comeback player of the year chalk a couple years in a row. I feel like. Yeah. Well, he's had a lot of injuries. So yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not interested in any of that. I guess here's the thing. I, it was fun to be right about Sa uh, Saquon being a bad selection at number two overall. Yeah. I'm over it now. That That's a win. Whatever well, happens that, at this that's point, the thing. it's like still I'm a saying, win. He's still a yeah. talented player. Yeah. If he's used properly, yeah, and so yeah, I, I, I will uh, I'll pull for him to surprise to the good this year. Uh, and that's certainly possible in a system that's going to be more, um, you know, more current in terms of philosophical approach. So it could happen. Um, betting plan of attack. I think we kind of covered that in a roundabout yeah. way, but uh, I am probably going to end up taking the points with these guys week one. I like their matchup against Tennessee. Uh, I love that over 42 and a half week two. Um, 
And then uh, from there, you just need to, to be conscientious about which weeks you really get excited about these guys. Because again, if it's up against a team that has explosive, you know, explosivity in their DNA, then the Giants are going to need to have the ball last and win a 33-30 kind of a shootout. And that's right. not always going to be the case. <laughs> Someone in the chat says, you guys not absolutely dumping on the Giants makes me happy. Couldn't do it. <laughs> like, I mean, we dumped on the secondary. We dumped on, you know. It's the, easy the... not to because the, well, I think they got their – I think they got their offseason as right as they possibly could, considering the situation they were yeah, in. They were in a tight spot. Like cap wise, they, they were in a terrible yeah. spot. They got a good general manager. They got a good, uh, although their general manager is a liar. Um, <laughs> he, went, he went out of his way to really obscure what people understood about their draft board. Um, in the end, I think we agree that they got a top-tier pass rusher in Thibodeau and a top-tier offensive lineman in Evan Neal. Um, and it is not out of the realm of possibility, Andy, that we wake up in three years and we look at the best offensive and best defensive players from this draft are both on the Giants. That's not crazy. Yeah, those guys are, I mean, high-end guys who played in high-end systems and if they <laughs> if they work out, like, Kudos, you nailed it. Both New York teams have nailed a very it. Big opportunity to have <laughs> yeah, like holy sure. shit, you guys got you drafted those guys in the same class. Yeah, well, we were yeah. terrible, terrible for years. <laughs> and to be fair, the Jets did a great job of trading. So all right, the Giants the G Men are not going to surprise us this year, I don't think. No, no, no. It'll be fun so. to back them when we back them though. And anything, any any time, any team with this much fan power. You know, fan horsepower, getting a bunch of primetime games. Like, this is what I want from them. Make those games interesting and fun. Not like the last couple of years where every Giants game in primetime felt like freaking homework. It was awful. Yeah. <laughs> it was the worst. All right. Shall All right. We? Yeah, Let's put a bow on it. Thank you, Dan. Thank you.